Section twenty four of the Notebooks of Samuel Butler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elaine Conway, England. The Notebooks of Samuel Butler. Edited by Henry Festing Jones. Material for Year One Revisited apologize for the names in ear one i was an unpractised writer and had no idea the names could matter so much give a map showing the geography of ear one in so far as the entrance into the country goes and explain somewhere if possible about butler's stones up as far as the top of the pass where the statues are keeps to the actual geography of the upper rangitata district except that i have doubled the gorge there was no gorge up above my place mesopotamia and i wanted one so i took the gorge some ten or a dozen miles lower down and repeated it and then came upon my own country again but made it bare of grass and useless instead of as it actually was excellent country baker and i went up the last saddle we tried and thought it was a pass to the west coast but found it looked down on to the headwaters of the Wakea. however we saw a true pass opposite just as i have described in erewhon only that there were no clouds and we never went straight down as i said i did but took two days going round by lake heron and there is no lake at the top of the true pass this is the pass over which in consequence of our report whitcomb was sent and got drowned on the other side we went up to the top of the pass but found it too rough to go down without more help than we had i rather think i have told this in a first year in canterbury settlement but i am so much ashamed of that book that i dare not look to see i don't mean to say that the latter books are much better still they are better they show a lot of stones on the hokitika pass so mr slade told me which they call mine and say i intended them in erewhon for the statues i never saw them and knew nothing about them referred to the agony and settled melancholy with which unborn children in the womb regard birth as the extinction of their being and how some declare that there is a world beyond the womb and others deny this we must all one day be born birth is certain and so on just as we say of death birth involves with it an original sin it must be sin for the wages of sin is death what else i should like to know is the wages of virtue and assuredly the wages of birth is death they consider wilful procreation as they call it much as we do murder and will not allow it to be a moral ailment at all sometimes a jury will recommend to mercy and sometimes they bring in a verdict of justifiable baby-getting but they treat these cases as a rule with great severity every baby has a month of heaven and a month of hell before birth so that it may make its choice with its eyes open the hour of birth should be prayed for in the litany as well as that of death and so it would be if we could remember the agony of horror which no doubt we felt at birth surpassing no doubt the utmost agony of apprehension that can be felt on death let automata increase in variety and ingenuity till at last they present so many of the phenomena of life that the religious world declares they were designed and created by god as an independent species 
senses. The scientific world, on the other hand, denies that there is any design in connection with them, and holds that if any slight variation happened to arise by which a fortuitous combination of atoms occurred, which were more suitable for advertising purposes, the automata were chiefly used for advertising. It was seized upon and preserved by natural selection they have schools where they teach the arts of forgetting and of not seeing young ladies are taught the art of proposing lists of successful matches are advertised with the prospectuses of the girls schools they have professors of all the languages of the principal beasts and birds i stayed with a professor of feline languages who had invented a kind of Ollendorfian system for teaching the art of polite conversation among cats they have an art class in which the first thing insisted on is that the pupil should know the price of all the leading modern pictures that have been sold during the last twenty years at christie's and the fluctuations in their values give an examination paper on this subject the artist being a picture dealer the first thing he must do is to know how to sell his pictures and therefore how to adapt them to the market what is the use of being able to paint a picture unless one can sell it when one has painted it add that the secret of the success of modern french art lies in its recognition of values let there be monks who have taken vows of modest competency about a thousand pound a year derived from consoles who spurn popularity as medieval monks spurned money and with about as much sincerity their great object is to try and find out what they like and then get it they do not live in one building and there are no vows of celibacy but in practice when any member marries he drifts away from the society they have no professional faith or articles of association but as they who hunted for the holy grail so do these hunt in all things whether of art or science for that which commends itself to them as comfortable and worthy to be accepted their liberty of thought and speech and their reasonable enjoyment of the good things of this life are what they alone live for let the eowonians have westminster abbeys of the first second and third class and in one of these let them raise monuments to dead theories which were once celebrated let them study those arts whereby the opinions of a minority may be made to seem those of a majority introduce an ewonian sermon to the effect that if people are wicked they may perhaps have to go to heaven when they die let them have a regius professor of studied ambiguity let the professor of worldly wisdom plug a man for want of sufficient vagueness in his saving clause his paper another poor fellow may be floored for having written an article on a scientific subject without having made free enough use of the words patiently and carefully and for having shown too obvious signs of thinking for himself let them attach disgrace to any who do not rapidly become obscure after death let them have a professor of mischief they found that people always do harm when they meant well and that all the professorships founded with an avowedly laudable object failed and so they aim at mischief in the hope 
that they may miss the mark here as when they aimed at what they thought advantageous the professor of worldly wisdom plugged a man for buying an egg that had a date stamped on it and another for being too often and too seriously in the right and another for telling people what they did not want to know he plucked several for insufficient mistrust in printed matter it appeared that the professor had written an article teeming with plausible blunders and had had it inserted in a leading weekly he then set his paper so that the men were sure to tumble into these blunders themselves then he plucked them this occasioned a good deal of comment at the time one man who entered for the chancellor's medal declined to answer any of the questions set he said he saw they were intended more to show off the ingenuity of the examiner than either to assist or test the judgment of the examined he observed moreover that the view taken of his answers would in great measure depend upon what the examiner had had for dinner and since it was not in his power to control this he was not going to waste time where the result was at best so much a matter of chance briefly his view of life was that the longer you lived and the less you thought or talked about it the better he should go pretty straight in the main himself because it saved trouble on the whole and should be guided mainly by a sense of humour in decided when to deviate from the path of technical honesty and he would take care that his errors if any should be rather on the side of excess than of asceticism man won the chancellor's medal they have a review class in which the pupils are taught not to mind what is written in newspapers as a natural result they grow up more keenly sensitive than ever round the margin of the newspapers sentences are printed cautioning the readers against believing the criticisms they see inasmuch as personal motives will underlie the great number that offend the universities and academic bodies on the ground that but for them good work would be so universal that the world would become clogged with masterpieces to an extent that would reduce it to an absurdity good sense would rule over all and merely smart or clever people would be unable to a living they assume that truth is best got at by the falling out of thieves well then there must be thieves or how can they fall out our business is to produce the raw material from which truth may be elicited and you succeed sir i replied in a way that is beyond all praise and it seems as though there would be no limit to the supply of truth that ought to be available but considering the number of your thieves they show less alacrity in flying at each other's throats than might have been expected they live their lives backwards beginning as old men and women with little more knowledge of the past than we have of the future and foreseeing the future about as clearly as we see the past winding up by entering into the womb as though being buried but delicacy forbids me to pursue this subject further the upshot is that it comes to much the same thing provided one is used to it paying debts is a luxury which we cannot all of us afford it is not every one my dear who can reach such a council of perfection as murder there was no more space for the chronicles and what was worse there was no more space in which anything could happen at all the whole land had become one vast cancerous growth of chronicles 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 nothing but chronicles the catalogue of the brown medals alone will in time come to occupy several hundreds 
hundreds of pages in the university calendar there was a professor who was looked upon as such a valuable man because he had done more than any other living person to suppress any kind of originality it is not our business he used to say to help students to think for themselves surely this is the very last thing that one who wishes them well would do by them our business is to make them think as we do or at any rate as we consider expedient to say we do he was president of the society for the suppression of useless knowledge and for the complete obliteration of the past they have professional mind dressers as we have hairdressers and before going out to dinner or fashionable at homes people go and get themselves primed with smart sayings or moral reflections according to the style which they think will be most coming to them in the kind of company they expect the deifiers god something which i can only translate by a word as underivable as god i mean gumption but it is part of their religion that there should be no temple to gumption nor are there priests or professors of gumption gumption being too ineffable to hit the sense of human definition and analysis they hold that the function of universities is to make learning repellent and thus to prevent its becoming dangerously common and they discharge this beneficent function all the more efficiently because they do so do it unconsciously and automatically the professors think they are advancing healthy intellectual assimilation and digestion when they are in reality little better than cancer on the stomach let them be afflicted by an epidemic of the fear of giving themselves away disease enumerate its symptoms there is a new discovery whereby the invisible rays that emanate from the soul can be caught and all the details of the man's spiritual nature his character disposition principles and see be photographed on a plate as easily as his face or the bones of his hands but no cure for the fog that a disease has yet been discovered they have a company for ameliorating the condition of those who are in a future state and for improving the future state itself people are buried alive for a week before they are married so that their offspring may know something about the grave of which otherwise hereditary could teach it nothing it has long been held that these constitutions are best which promote most effectually the greatest happiness of the greatest number now the greatest number are none too wise and none too honest and to arrange our systems with a view to the greater happiness of sensible straightforward people indeed to give these people a chance at all if it can be avoided is to interfere with the greatest happiness of the greatest number dull slovenly and arrogant people do not like those who are quick painstaking and unassuming how can we then consistently with the first principles of either morality or political economy encourage such people when we can bring sincerity and modesty fairly home to them much we have to tolerate partly because we cannot always discover in time who are really insincere and who are only masking sincerity under a garb of flippancy and partly also because we wish to err on the side of letting the guilty escape rather than of punishing the innocent 
thus many people who are perfectly well known to belong to the straightforward class are allowed to remain at large and may even be seen hobnobbing and on the best of possible terms with the guardians of public immorality we all feel as indeed has been said in other nations that the poor abuses of the time want countenance and this moreover in the interests of the uses themselves for the presence of a small modicum of sincerity acts as a wholesome stimulant and irritant to the prevailing spirit of academicism moreover we hold it useful to have a certain number of melancholy examples whose notorious failure shall serve as a warning to those who do not cultivate a power of immoral self-control which shall prevent them from saying or indeed even thinking anything that shall not be to their immediate and palpable advantage with the greatest number it is a point of good breeding with the erewhonians to keep their opinions as far as possible in the background in all cases where controversy is even remotely possible that is to say whenever conversation gets beyond the discussion of the weather it is found necessary however to recognise some means of ventilating points on which differences of opinion may exist and the convention adopted is that whenever a man finds occasion to speak strongly he should express himself by dwelling as forcibly as he can on the views most opposed to his own even this however is tolerated rather than approved for it is counted the perfection of scholarship and good breeding not to express and much more not even to have a definite opinion upon any subject whatsoever thus their yea is nay and their nay yea but it comes to the same thing in the end for it does not matter whether yea is called yea or nay so long as it is understood as yea they go a long way round only to find themselves at the start from which they started there is no accounting tastes with us such tactics are inconceivable but so far do the erewhonians carry them that it is common for them to write whole reviews and articles between the lines of which a practised reader would detect a sense exactly contrary to that ostent put forward nor is a man held to be more than a tyro in the arts of polite society unless he instinctively suspects a hidden sense in every proposition that meets him i was more than once misled by these plover-like tactics and on one occasion was near getting into a serious scrape it happened thus a man of venerable aspect was maintaining that pain was a sad thing and should not be permitted under any circumstances people ought not even to be allowed to suffer for the consequences of their own folly and should be punished for it severely if they did if they could only be kept from making fools of themselves by the loss of freedom or if necessary by some polite and painless method of extinction which meant hanging then they ought to be extinguished if permanent improvement can only be won through ages of mistake and suffering which must all begun de novo for every fresh improvement let us be content to forego improvement and let those who suffer their lawless thoughts to stray in this direction be improved from off the face of the earth as fast as possible no remedy can be too drastic for such a disease as the pain felt by another person we find we can generally bear the pain ourselves when we have to do so but it is intolerable that we should know it is being borne by any one else
the mere sight of pain unfits people for ordinary life the wear and tear of which would be very much reduced if we would be at any trouble to restrain the present almost unbounded license in the matter of suffering a license that people take advantage of to make themselves as miserable as they please without so much as a thought for the feelings of others hence he maintained the practice of putting dupes in the same category as the physically diseased or the unlucky was founded on the eternal and inherent nature of things and could no more be interfered with than the revolution of the earth on its axis he said a good deal more to the same effect and i was beginning to wonder how much longer he would think it necessary to insist on what was so obvious when his hearers began to differ from him one dilated on the correlation between pain and pleasure which ensured that neither could be extinguished without the extinguishing along with it of the other another said that throughout the animal and vegetable worlds there was found what might be counted as a system of rewards and punishments this he contended must cease to exist and hence virtue must cease if the pain attaching to misconduct were less notoriously advertised another maintained that the horror so freely expressed by many at the sight of pain was as much selfish as not and so on let erewhon be revisited by the son of the original writer let him hint that his father used to write the advertisements for mother seagull's syrup he gradually worked his way up to this from being a mere writer of penny tracts december eighteen ninety six on reaching the country he finds that divine honours are being paid him churches erected to him and a copious mythology daily swelling with accounts of the miracles he had worked and all his sayings and doings if any child got hurt he used to kiss the place and it would get well at once everything has been turned topsy-turvy in consequence of his flight in the balloon being ascribed to miraculous agency among other things he had maintained that sermons should be always preached by two people one taking one side and another the opposite while a third summed up and the congregation decided by a show of hands this system has been adopted and he goes to hear a sermon on the growing habit of careful patient investigation as encouraging casuistry october eighteen ninety seven end of section number twenty four